Welcome, Sunday morning. Good to be in church in God's house. Come on. My name is Rebecca, and <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> or pronounced like that. <laughs> uh, all right, church. I I'm gonna open with. We're gonna start in First Corinthians three, verse sixteen. And before I forget, a reminder to silence your phone for church. Verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And this is referring to those of us who, right, you have said yes to Jesus and what yes to what he's done for us. And so I, because I, I want you to keep this in mind when I tell this story. So the spirit of the living God lives in us. Amen. I also want to turn to Matthew 14. Thank you, Jesus. And this is in verse 14. This is Jesus. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He had compassion on them, okay? It, you know, the, the compassion that he had caused him to respond to what was going on in their lives, right? And uh, for those of you who don't know, I work as a nurse by trade, and... The area in which I work in, sometimes I see people on a regular basis, and they are not always doing well. And this particular patient, not the first time that I had interacted with this patient, okay? So I'm seeing this patient on a regular basis, and this particular day, I'm getting uh, this patient settled, and could tell that he was in pain. And I am telling you, so just within me within me and this doesn't always happen it was like oh jesus oh jesus do something for him like that's kind of what just the, the ache of my heart and then the holy spirit said yeah you pray for him and <laughs> praise the lord you know sometimes praying for others is easy and other times man you have to to fight to say yes and so i don't know what i look like walking around that room i was like folding paper towels and like you know all the while I'm like come on you know and and it's because you don't want to miss out on being used by God to do something so awesome right I mean God wants to minister to people and so you know all those thoughts of like what is God going to ask me to pray for right do i have the faith for that like is he going to actually pray for healing or am i praying for something else like what is god wanting to do here and so all questions aside it's it's obedience what did god ask me to do he's asked me to pray and so i i finally you know asked him you know can i pray for you and he said absolutely and praise the lord i got to pray and i believe that god minister and met that man in that moment and I, I say that to say of what that looks like sometimes when God's leading you to do something right 
So it was not first God saying, pray for that man. It was the spirit of the living God, that compassion, just being like, ah, oh, wanting to meet that person's need. So I, church, I just want you to write those times of being like, God, use me. Right, be ready for him to do that. Amen. Amen. Church, stand with me. Stand with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. I thank you, Father, for this morning. I thank you, Father. We get to glorify and honor your name. Father, I thank you for your spirit, Father, dwelling in us. Thank you for leading us by your compassion, Father, and and responding. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, don't want us to lose sight that our God is the God of the impossible. You know, he's the God of the impossible. We go along through life and we try to figure things out. You know, if we just do this, this will work. If we just do that, this will work. But my God is the God of the impossible. That's what he says. He says, the God of the impossible. He says, I will restore your families. I will restore those who are walking away. We don't know how it's going to work out. And I myself, I got my own kids out and about, and I tend to give up. It's just a lot easier. It's just, it's just easier to give up. But my wife won't let me. But anyway, I, our God is the God of the impossible. He's the healer of our bodies. He's the healer of our bodies. He forgives our sins. He restores us. He puts us... We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We don't need to fear. We can be at peace. We don't need to fear. But our God is the God of the impossible. You know, we trust Him. We trust Him. Lord, raise our faith. Raise our faith, Lord, our faith level to believe You, to believe Your Word, so that Your Word, Lord, is more real than anything we see or hear. That Your Word is real to us. And you are the God of the impossible. We trust you in that vein. In Jesus' name. That word exalt, exalt, if you know what that word means, that word means to think very highly or speak very highly of someone or something. What that's saying is that we're going to exalt God above stuff. We're going to think more highly of God, more highly of Him than the things that are around us. And this ties in directly in what Jim was sharing, is that whatever problems you're dealing with, God, the God of the impossible, the God who's able to do the impossible, is higher than those problems. But we have to exalt Him in our minds, in our thoughts, in our words, than the things that are happening around us, whatever that may be. If it's a family problems, you know, you can talk family problems to death, you know. You can complain about people all day long. You can whine about it, you can complain about it, but all you're doing is you're exalting the problem. And you're saying, well, it's impossible. It can't happen. It can't be fixed. It can't be sorted out. But, but the thing is, we're supposed to exalt God that He is the God of impossible. So it's possible. 
it's more than possible for him to fix things. We talked about that last week, and I even went back. It's in Proverbs is that verse that says, for, the, for those who seek God, who walk with God, he'll make even your enemies love you. Not just like you, but love you. That's impossible, you would think, but it's not. You know, we can complain and whine about our physical ailments, whatever it may be. And we, you know, and, and, and you, you talk to some people, and I'm not, I'm not in any way, shape, or form, man, praise God for doctors. But doctors, they'll tell you the worst case scenario every single time. And why is that? Because they have to cover themselves. That they didn't give you more hope than they, you know, than they dare give you without being sued. So they'll tell you about everything. They'll tell you how bad it's going to be, and it's going to be forever. It's going to get worse, and it's going. But what they're doing is they're exalting that problem. We have an impossible working God. That's why when it, when when Jesus taught his disciples to to, to pray, he said. He said, hallowed be thy name. Now, that, there's a lot packed into that phrase. How, what he's saying is, praise God for his name. Praise his name. Pray, and what's his name? He says, he is Jehovah Rapha. What is Jehovah Rapha? Our healer. He's Jehovah Jireh. It's his name. What's, his, what's Jehovah Jireh? He is our provider. He's Jehovah Sitkanu. I have no idea. If somebody here knows what that is. But there's the names. We we exalt him. We we say, God, you are our provider. It doesn't matter what happened at work last week. It doesn't matter what, what how much I get paid. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter how much you get paid. God is able to meet your needs exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope, think, or ask. Doesn't matter how much things cost. Saw an article this week where groceries across the country are just, you know, crazy high. See, what I'm doing is as I'm saying those words even, it's exalting that problem. But here's the deal. Our God is more than able. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread, begging for bread. We exalt His name. I exalt thee. We're going to sing that. Just have them sing that real quick, just the chorus part. And I want you to exalt him. Exalt his name. Whatever problem you're dealing with, what, and, and anybody, raise your hand if you are dealing with no problems, no situations, no opportunity. There's nothing going on that you don't, you know, you're not believing God for something. Raise your hand. Thank you. Now, whatever that is, this morning, I want you to declare that you're going to exalt him over that thing. Hallelujah. Father, we do speak highly of you. We speak more highly of you than our problems. We speak more highly of you than our situations. We speak more highly of you than the diagnosis. We speak more highly of you than the prognosis. Thank you, Lord. You are your name. You are higher than everything. And we, ex we exalt you, Lord. 
we lift you up higher and higher in our own hearts, in our own minds, and with our words, we exalt you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, beginning with verse nine, says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Anybody here this morning love him? Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I know. It's winter, it's morning, I know. Is there anybody here who loves him? Thank you. There we go. There we go. Hallelujah. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So you know, we've been talking about that, that God wants us to go deeper. This year, 2024, we're going deeper in the things of God. We've been talking about it, been introducing it, kind of warming up to the fact and defining some terms. And it says kind of two things here in these two verses. First of all, it says, No eye has seen. No ear is heard, no, no uh, mind has conceived what God has planned for those. And then the next verse it says, but he's revealed them to us in the Spirit. So here's the deal. He's not holding a carrot out in front of us and, and wanting us to, to follow the carrot without ever reaching the carrot. That's, that is cruel. That's mean. If God wants you to, to know him more but never lets you actually know him more, He'd be wrong, wouldn't he? That'd be mean. I mean, he wouldn't do that. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's a good God. So here it says, he, the, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The thing is, he has revealed them. We're in the process of revealing himself to us, revealing the deeper things, the deep things of him, the thing is, he's, he's constantly doing it. We just have to receive. That's a good way. Participate. Join in. Follow. I mean, we, we have to be there. We're, we're, we have to be participants in this. We don't just sit back in our lazy boys, even though I love to sit back in my lazy boy. <laughs> Yesterday, I did way too much of that. There was football on. So you got to just, just sit back and, okay, God, show me yourself. Show me who you are. Teach me something. Drop it on me, Lord, anytime, whenever you're ready. Any, we have to be a willing participant in it, but how do we do that? Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about specifics. I mean, I can talk theory with you all day long. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but, you know, we can talk theory, but how do we really do this? How do we really go deeper with God? Because I've actually been asking him that. I'm like, I know how I live my life. But where in the Word? Where in, the, where in, in, in Scripture? How, how do we, what, what, what can we follow? What can we do to cooperate with him? And I believe he's shown me a couple of things that can help. So, so far... We've talked about, uh, I've been asking the question, what are the depths of God? Everything that he has prepared for those who love him. That comes from that verse right up above. It says you can't even imagine it. There are things you don't know. 
There's things I don't know. There's things that we don't know collectively. There's things we, we, no, we can't even imagine the depths of the fullness of God yet. And I don't know that we ever will understand it. So how do we find out? First of all, we talked about we have to make a choice to turn aside. Remember we talked about Moses and the, the burning bush, and he saw the burning bush. He, he purposefully turned aside and started to seek what was going on with that bush. You know, he could have walked by and missed the call of God in his life. He could have went, oh, there's a bush burning over there. Now, there was something different about this bush burning. The bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. So was that what caught his attention? I don't know. But he knew something was going on. His, his, his attention was drawn to this, this opportunity, and he wanted to figure out what was going on. The other story we talked about was Peter as Jesus was walking on the water. Peter uh, Je- it says that Jesus would have walked right by them. Said he would have just kept right on going had not Peter called out, Lord, is that you? If it's you, call me to you, call me onto you. And what did he do? He stepped out on the water, walked on water as Jesus was walking on the water. But he had to purposefully make a decision. And that's one of the things we've been talking about for a couple of weeks is, is purposefully deciding, okay, God, I'm in. I don't know what it means yet. I don't know all of what it means. And I'll tell you after. 50-some years, I don't know all of what it means. I'm still seeking too. I'm still going deeper with Him. Now I might even share this week, the Lord is, is dealing with me on a thing and, and, and taking me deeper in, into an area that I wouldn't have done myself. I wouldn't have done this. So we have to purposefully decide to turn aside. Or we have to decide to turn aside. Then, last week we talked about forgetting what is behind if you always are looking backwards, if you're always looking at how you screwed up last year, how you screwed up as a 12-year-old, how the mistakes you made here, the mistakes you made there, the things, where would you be? Where would you be had you never made any mistakes? We said, at the right hand of the Father. Jesus didn't make any mistakes. We, you're not Him. You've made mistakes. We, we all have. We need to forget about that, though. Not, not forget about it like, well, in a flippant manner. No, just saying, I'm not going to sit and dwell on that. If I dwell on those mistakes, I'm exalting those mistakes, aren't I? And we, it, doesn't, it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help anything. There's actually a, there's a verse in Corinthians that says, casting off those things that so easily beset us. You know, are there memories in your past, things that have happened in your past? Maybe you're the only one that knows about them. I can guarantee you there's things that if I, when I say this right now, there's things in your past, decisions you made, things you did, you're the only one who knows that it happened. And many times you regret that. I have regrets, or I could have regrets. But I've, I've, God has healed me in so many areas. There was one time, I mean, I, there was a whole, <laughs> trust me, there were bucket loads and, and wheelbarrow loads and wagon loads of regrets. And the Lord dealt with me one night in a, in a, certain, in a church service. I mean, somebody prayed for me. It was one of those times when, when somebody prayed for me and literally just waves of love, waves of forgiveness, waves of, of, of healing took place. And every, I, I, I still remember, I mean, I, I don't, I don't uh, fall down much. You know, I don't fall down much in the spirit. I mean, I, 
I, uh, if somebody lays hands on me, I mean, it has to be God. And I'm laying on the floor that night. Somebody laid hands on me, I'm on the floor. And all of a sudden, I would remember one of those regrets, and just a wave of love would flow over me. And it was gone. Wow. I can't remember some of that stuff now. Praise God for that. Then there's other things that I do remember. What's up with that? So I don't understand all of it, but, but here's the deal. There's so much that he'll heal you from, but there's some of it. You just have to go, you know what? It's under the blood. That's under the blood. I, I can't fix that now. I can't change it. I can't go back to I mean, I won't go back to it. You just have to decide to leave it in the past. And, he's, and we talked about that last week, that we need to forgive ourselves and move forward. Praise God. Forgetting those things that are behind. But then what we need to do in those same verses that we read, is press on. Press on to the higher calling. Press into Him. Press. So how do we press in? That's what I want to talk about today is pressing into Him. What does that mean? What does it mean to press into God? There's verses all over the Bible. We'll, we'll hit them at times. But there's other things I want to cover first that lays a groundwork for this. Um, one of the things that, that uh, um, as I've been meditating on this throughout the weeks, um, this came to me this week. As I, I don't remember what I was doing, but I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on this, I'm praying about this, and I'm, I'm asking God, I'm, I'm literally saying, Lord, I want to help people. I want to help people. So how, what does it mean to go deeper with you? What does it mean to go deeper? And we've used the, the, the analogy of the swimming pool, haven't we? Many people have, not only myself, you know, during the week devoted, different ones use the analogy of the, of the swimming pool. And that, that analogy came back to me, and I started writing. I started writing these things down, and, and it's going to actually going to be up on the screen because I believe it'll help you. <clears throat> so the, the swimming pool has three areas, three areas. Think of it as three areas. There's the shallow end, the middle area, and the deep end. Amen? So the shallow end, these four words came to me. Seeker, attender, convert, and follower in the shallow and you can be in the shallow things of God and you can be a seeker you could be somebody who's just looking for God you have questions maybe you maybe you uh, uh, turned uh, an age where all of a sudden you said you know I probably should start seeking God I'm getting close to that age whatever that age or you have children I have I have so many people that have told me it's time for us to get back into church my kids are getting to an age where they need to be in church well, they should, yeah, they, they, we should always be in fellowship. We should always be in relationship. But a seeker is somebody going, okay, I want to know more about God. I'm not sure I'm going to sign up for this thing yet, but I want to seek Him. I want to follow. I want to get. I want to at least figure this out a little bit. A seeker, you know, you can be a seeker and be in the pool or standing on the beach anyway. You're standing on the beach. You're you're looking. Maybe you're you're dipping your toe in. But you're, you're, you haven't decided to jump in yet. That's okay. Keep seeking. I remember there's a, a Kenneth Hagin used to say, you keep messing around on a slippery creek bed, pretty soon you're going to fall in. It's a good thing. Keep hanging around. It's a good thing. So seeker. You can be an attender. You can come to church all the time even. You can come week after week after week. Now here's the deal. Years ago, years ago, I was in a church, 
and I was preaching. I was actually speaking, and I was, and, I, and the Lord told me to give an altar call. And I looked around the room, and I went, "I know everybody here in that in, in that meeting." And I looked around, I know everybody there, and I said, "Lord, why would you have me give an altar call? I know everybody here. They come to church all the time." And the Holy Spirit says, "Are you sure they're Christians?" You know, you can show up for church every week, but are you a believer? Are you, are you in the family? Are you saved? Man, I, I'm telling you, they're, 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 you know, we went on a mission trip. We went on a mission trip in 1999, went to Belarus. Started pulling the team together. I can't remember how many people we brought on that team. There's a bunch of people. We went over there and this woman who was a part, had been a part of our church for three years. She had been there for three years, four, maybe it was three or four years. She goes, hey, I'd, lo- I'd love to be on the team. We said, well, that'd be awesome. Why don't you come and be a part of the team? So she did. She came and was a part of our team. I had seen her there in church week after week after week after week for four years. She would stand and she would raise her hands and sing. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. She would sing. She came on the mission, tri- mission t- uh, trip. We're in Belarus the very first night. and The speaker got up and was giving a salvation message. He said, there is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. You must be born again. You will not see the the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Jesus is the only way. He's the only name. You must be born. You must receive him. You must accept. You must repent of your sins and accept him as Lord and Savior. And there is no other way. People came forward and got saved. We got back to the hotel room that night hotel rooms. Knock on my door. It's this woman. She goes, I need to talk to you. And I said, sure, what's up? And she goes, you know, that whole thing, what he was saying about that Jesus is the only way? Well, I don't believe that. I went, <laughs> uh, I thought she was kidding. I thought she had to be kidding. I said, pardon me? I said, what do you mean? She goes, no, I don't, I don't believe that at all. She goes, I, I'm starting to think you guys are a cult. And I went, Really? I said, what do you believe? She goes, I believe there's many ways to get to God. I've just decided that I'm just choosing to go this direction. She goes, I believe there's all kinds. You can go to, you can get to God through Buddhism. You can get through God through blah, 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 blah. I went, ma'am, I said, you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. The Bible says, and she goes, well, whatever. There's a lot of script. There's a lot of religious books out there. And I said, Okay, this woman had been in our church for three or four years. I had seen her over and over, and she had raised her hands. I don't take anything for granted anymore. I'm not sure you're all saved. (laughs) That was a joke. But you can be in church all the time. I mean, a regular attender, and it means absolutely nothing unless you go deeper. But you can be here. You can be in church. You can be attending all you want. And, and, that, and that's very shallow. In. You can even be a convert. You can decide, yes, I'm going to accept what Jesus Christ has done for the, on the cross for me. I'm going to receive that forgiveness, that free gift of eternal life. I repent of my sins. I even say, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life from this day forward. You can be a convert in the family of God, and still be in the shallow end. 
Let it sink in. You can be, you can say all the right things. You can, you can even say the right things. Pray that prayer. You can seek, you can say, God, I'm in. I, I believe what you've done for me. That's still the shallow end, folks. You can even be a follower. You can follow the things of God to try to improve your life, to try to make your life better, to try to you know, stop making all the stupid mistakes. You can be a follower. But I'm going to let you know there's a much deeper, much deeper relationship with God. Middle end. The middle. Middle. A regular attender. You can even be a participator. Participator. What's a participator? You do something. You help out. You help out. You, you know, you help out with a cookie area. You help out with the greeters. You help out on the... You can even be helping out with the worship team. You can be participating in what we're doing here, but you have not reached the epitome of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have not reached the depths. You're, you're definitely moving in the right direction. You're definitely headed in the right direction, but you haven't reached at all. I mean, you, can be, you could be playing the keyboard on the worship team. <laughs> Jamie's getting nervous already. For those of you who don't know, that's my wife was playing keyboard on this side over here. And, and Jamie, I'm saying, you know, you could be on the keyboard. And Jamie's going, easy, easy. <laughs> but there's no guarantee that you're walking deeply with God. You could be the pastor. I meet pastors. I meet, I meet too many pastors who are pastors, who've been to Bible school, they've been to seminary, they, they can quote scriptures, they can do the stuff. And they're not going deep in the deep things of God. I'll be honest with you. There have been times when I've just kind of went, you know what, I'm good enough for right now. Now, not recently. But over the last 35 years, there's been some time, sometimes when I just get tired. And I'm like, you know, I'm good enough for a while. <laughs> Usually the Holy Spirit says, really? 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 Huh. Did you know this? Oh my gosh, no. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm lumping. I, the thing is, that is, that, that is a deeper part of the things of God. Being a participator, being involved, being in, in, in you know, it, it helps you go deeper. But that is not a sign of being deeper. What is a sign of being deeper? And that was... You know, I, that's the thing I was struggling with. It's how to say it, how to describe it, how to, how to quantify it, where it's biblical, but it also isn't just, you know, taking some standard. Because here's the thing. You, okay, this year we're going to go deeper with God. You know, and, and don't raise your hands. This is a hypothetical. Don't, don't say anything. Don't, don't react. 
But many people can think, I'm going to go deeper with God, so I'm going to start reading my Bible more. You can read your Bible more, but that doesn't mean you're going deeper with Him. Jesus told the Pharisees, you read the Bible, you, you read the Scriptures all the time, and you, you quote the Scriptures, you live by the Scriptures, but you, you're missing the one the Scriptures are writing about. You can be in the Scriptures all the time. Now, I believe it's going to be affecting your life. I mean, I don't know how you do it without it affecting your life, but that's not all there is. You can pray more. I'm going to read the Scriptures more. I'm going to pray more. You know, I'll just say it right up front because you know, I, want, I want this deep inside. Doing those are works. Those are works. I'm going, I'm going to read more, and I'm going to pray more, and I'm going to give more, I'm going to participate more. I'm, 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 I'm. They're not bad things, but I want to go really deep. I want us all to go deeper, deep into the deep things of God. And this week, I believe the Lord showed me what it is. What is the beginning, the beginning, because I don't know the depths. But I, I believe he showed me this week where the deep things begin. The deep things, the deep end is being a disciple. Is being a disciple. There is a difference from being a believer and being a disciple. You can believe in God. You can believe that he exists. You can even believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross for your sins. You can believe all of those things. But there's, a, there's something different. There is a different level of relationship, and it begins with being a disciple. And we're going to talk about that today. And then it keeps getting deeper and deeper. I even put up there, she, if she's put that up there, a discipler. You go from being a disciple to a discipler to a multiplier. But we need to purposefully move toward the deep end. If you are, if you find yourself, as I was sharing that earlier, if I was sharing the, the description of what the shallow end is like, if you find yourself there, do not despair. All you have to do is turn towards the deep end and start going. Don't, don't think, okay, well, first I have to become a participator. I have to go to the second level first. No, just become a disciple and he will take you. Because I'm going to give you the, the description of a disciple. We're going to talk about what a disciple is. I'm, we're going to talk about all that today. You can just jump in there. Now, along the way, the other stuff, the work stuff, will happen. You will become a participator. You will become all of those things. As, as he leads you. But if you're, when you do it in the, the basis or the, in the grounding of being a disciple, you're not wasting your time. There's been so many times I've wasted my time. I've wasted my time. I've wasted God's time. I've, 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 I've thought, oh, this is the way to do it. I'm going to get up every morning and read the Bible. The first thing I do, and, and I get into it, and, and it just, all of a sudden, after a couple of days, it just falls apart. Because I'm a morning person, but I'm not a disciplined person. Just ask my wife. Debbie gets up. She makes her tea. She makes first breakfast. She sits down. She reads her Bible. 
She works out. She makes second breakfast. She's not hobbit. She's just, that's just who she is. She's disciplined every single day. I can go, oh, I'm late because she's already on second breakfast. <laughs> and I haven't even started moving in the right direction yet. I'm not disciplined. So I, I have to do it differently. I have to actually, I have to actually walk with God as a disciple. And in, as a disciple, many times throughout the New Testament, it says, and he called his disciples onto him and taught them. That's how I do it. Sometimes it is in the morning. Sometimes it's at 3 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's at 7 o'clock at night. Sometimes it's in the afternoon. It's just I'm, I'm just listening. All of a sudden I find, hey, I got some time here. The Lord's, oh, you know, there's some time. There's an opportunity. I begin to listen and seek and participate. And somewhere in between that discipline and undiscipline is you. But he's going to lead you as he leads you, as you, as, as you are called by him. Turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 17, says, From that time, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, what did he say? Follow me. He's, he's walking along the sea. He looks out and there's a boat with some fishermen in it. He didn't yell out, memorize three scriptures! And you'll know me more. He didn't say, give me one-tenth of your offering and your money. Send, just throw it in here and you're a part of my kingdom. He didn't say a lot of things. What did he say? He said, follow me. The number one description of a, of a disciple is someone who follows someone else. Follows. Physically, maybe but absolutely mentally, devotionally, lifestyle, follow. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and did what? They followed him. A disciple follows. It's not just the invitation. You're getting the invitation today. You've gotten the invitation before. I had the... I've been given the invitation over and over and over and over and over time, you know, again, over the last 60-some years. Not 60-some, 50-some. That was close. No, no, no. Just because you've been invited doesn't mean you are. Just because you've heard the invitation to follow doesn't mean you actually follow. Well, what does it mean to follow? I'm going to need some help here. I'm going to need some help. Abby! Abby! Follow me. Follow me. Is he following me? Is he, is he getting closer? Little bit, you gotta walk fast. I'm trying, I'm walking as slow as I can here. <laughs> You're tired, but you did it anyway. Thank you. Everybody give him a big round of applause. 
I said, Abby, follow me. And he looked at me like, really? <laughs> okay, okay. Isn't that reality? When God says, follow me, you go, really? Because you have to think, well, what is it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me to follow him? First of all, that means I got to get up. I got to stand up. Peter, Andrew had to decide if I'm going to follow him, that means, and he's walking away. He's already going. He's already gone. If I'm going to follow him, that means I have to go right now. Because in 20 minutes, I won't know where he went. But it cost them, didn't it? Because they were, they were doing a job. They were working. They were in a boat. They were fishing. There's work left to be done, even if it is morning and they're, they're, they're gathering in the nets. They had to clean the nets. They had to get in, bring the nets in. They had to get to shore. They had to put the boat away. They had to put the nets away. It's going to cost them something to follow. And they have to decide, or am I going to follow? It's going to cost you something to follow God. <laughs> Don't tell that yet. Jim said, it's, Jim said it's going to cost him everything. Yeah, it'll cost you everything. Is it worth it? Is it worth to not be in charge of your life anymore? Is it worth trusting someone that you can't see with your eyes and can't hear with your physical ears most of the time? You can't smell, you can't touch. Is it worth taking that chance to give up everything? Jesus said, count the cost before you follow me. The disciples did that. Abi did that. He went, you know, if, if he's going to get up and follow me, well, that means he's going to have to get up. He's, he, he was, how, what time did you go to bed last night? You were working late, I suppose, last night. You went to bed late. <laughs> okay. So he's tired. He had to get up. Well, then he had to walk out here in front of all of you. And Abi's not, uh, not uh, you know, he doesn't like uh, being out in front of everybody. He's usually back there. And then he had to be in front of everybody up there on the, on the TV. He had to follow. And then, then he actually had to exert himself to follow. It's going to cost you something. Because once I said, follow me, I just started walking. And that's the way God is. He's moving. He's going somewhere. Do you, know, you want to know where he's going? To your perfect end. He's moving towards the fulfillment of your call, your life. Your, he he's wants to lead you to somewhere that's going to bless you, but you have to decide, is it worth it? Because there may be some things you have to quit doing. There may be some things you don't have time to do anymore. There may be some things it's going to cost you something to follow him. Remember when David, when, when, they, when, they, uh, when God wanted David, or when David was going to make a, an, an offering, and he said, and the, somebody said, well, I'll give you the, the, everything for the offering. He goes, no, I won't, do, I won't make an offering unto God that doesn't cost me something. That's the same way with following Jesus. It's going to cost you. There will be, a t there will be tests along the way. There will be things you'll start getting into it and realize, I can't do that anymore. There could be good things. I'm not talking about bad habits. Of course you should stop doing that. But I'm talking about maybe there's some good things. Maybe, maybe you
I wanted to live in the Southwest. I've always wanted to live in the Southwest. I love warm. I don't like cold. This last week, whoever was praying for me to get through this last week, thank you. I appreciate it. I don't like cold. I despise cold. I want to be warm. I don't like big, heavy coats. I don't like snow. I don't like ice. I don't like winter. Just being honest. I always wanted to move south. I, I tried so many times before and after I was married to try to figure out some way to move south. And one night, I'm a pastor here because the Lord led me in a completely different direction. I'm sitting right over there, right in that area in a prayer meeting. It must have been about 30, 40 pastors here. It was late at night. The power of God was here. The, 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 the presence of God was so thick in this room, nobody spoke for about 45 minutes. Nobody moved. And it just felt like the, the presence of God kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Now, when I talk about the deep things of God, I mean, I, I've experienced some things. But I don't usually talk about the experiences because then people are looking for experiences rather than Jesus. I could tell you experiences. But I'm telling you this one for the reason is because that wasn't the deep thing. That was, that was deep, but that wasn't the deepest thing that happened that night. I'm sitting over there and then it's just the presence of God is getting heavier. What's the, what's the, uh, the, the Jewish word? I think it's kabod? No, not kabod. It's, it's the heaviness. The heaviness of God is just, just getting heavier and heavier. And I'm saying, I have my eyes closed, and all of a sudden I see a vision. And my eyes are closed, but I see a vision. It was completely dark and black, and all of a sudden I saw snowflakes starting to fall. Just very lightly. Just very lightly. And then it, the, as the snowflakes fell, all of a sudden I actually could feel them on my cheek. I could feel them on my cheeks. I could feel them, and it was just... But it was just drifting down, no wind, and they were just in the they were highlighted against the black background, and the snow's falling. And in my <laughs> I said, God, that's so beautiful. And in, in a split moment, the Holy Spirit said, Get used to it. <laughs> so I've just decided, get used to it. I'm gonna live here. Now. I definitely get my warm times, hallelujah. I, I get to travel, you know, get to go on vacation. But it costs me something. It costs me that I have to live here every day. It costs me something. I can say, forget it, and I'm moving. I'm out of here. But I'm not, then I'm not following him anymore, am I? I have to give up my will to follow him. A disciple doesn't decide where they're going to be. They're led, and we're expected to follow. And if he leads you somewhere and you don't want to go, deal with it. Deal with it. Get used to it. Because he knows better. Man, I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm actually more glad to be here now and doing what we're doing. This was way before what we're seeing right now, what we're experiencing. I would have missed it. And who knows, if I would have did that, and missed it, I probably I could have missed the whole thing. I could have missed the whole calling of God on my life. Now, would I have been blessed? Would I have gone to heaven? Yeah, probably. Uh, yes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? 
There's more. There's more. It's going to cost you something. Follow me. Immediately they left their nets and followed. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John, or James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It's going to cost you something to follow him. He wants you to be a disciple. He's calling you to be a disciple. He's calling you today to be a disciple. But it's going to cost you something. Now what's it going to cost you? I don't know. And some people will never decide to follow because they're too worried that they're going to have to give up something they don't want to give up. But I'm going to give you the answer right up front. This is, I'm going to give you the answer to the whole problem. Anything you have to give up is not worth keeping and trading for the fullness of God. Every, I mean, praise God. Everything that, that He has given us, get done for me, blessed us with, I mean, I just, I, I can't, I just, I mean, I'm amazed at how blessed we are, how blessed I am, because I just decided, you know what, I'm going to follow. It doesn't matter how weird it is, how crazy it is, it doesn't matter what it costs me, I'm in. I'm in. And the more you do that, the more you take that position, the easier it becomes. You have to decide. Amen? Amen. So just put up the slide with the uh, giving information on it. Um, the verse I'm going to read is actually very, <clears throat> very, very well known, but it's not, uh, you usually don't hear it in offering opportunities here. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We always, you know, my mom even had that first few verses on there, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on thine own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I memorized it as a kid because I would see it on the fridge every day or she would, I would be concerned about something and she would just, she'd go, what's that verse say? And then I would have to say it again and say it again. Ugh. Praise God she did. There's been so many times where I'll be in a situation as an adult and it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him. But did you know that it's tied in there with giving? You know, for a lot of people, giving, giving into offerings, giving a percentage of your, of your gift or, or your, your wealth or whatever, it just seems like it's one of those things that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm struggling, I don't have enough to pay this bill or that bill or this bill or that bill, but, but now God wants me to give more? He wants me to give? Yes. Because it's in doing that, that's part of being a disciple, is, is trusting Him to, that, that whatever He asks you to do, and He asks us to give into the kingdom, give into people's lives, give, give of what we have, and what we're saying is, I trust you, God, that I don't understand how it works, and I don't understand, I, I can't show you the spreadsheet how when you give tithes and offerings that, you're, that you have even more blessing afterwards. But I'm going to let you know it happens. It happens over and over and over and over again. Trust not. 
in your own understanding, but lean on Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we can do that with our giving. As we give towards the church, as we give towards other ministries, as we give towards RVFM, the, the organization that is overseeing all of the churches with the vision, as you give as the Lord leads you, you're going to be blessed. Amen? Amen. Those are the ways to give. You had plenty of time to look. If not, ask somebody. Everybody here. If you've been, if you're a regular attender, you have it memorized, and you're like, how do we do this? Please stand. I'm gonna have the elders come forward, be ready to pray for folks. If you have, like Sue said, if you have a desire to for prayer, whatever area it is, but it's, you know, even if it's a uh, whether you or someone you know has been in, you know, had, had an experience where abortion was a part of your life and healing needs to happen. It was a lie, but it's not, a, it's not the unforgivable sin, I can tell you that. It's not. It's not the unforgivable sin. God, there, the, you, God loves you. God loves you and he forgive, He's already forgiven you. you. He wants you to, to be able to forgive yourself. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to, to get to know you more, to go deeper with you. Father, I pray that the words that I spoke are, are seed and they've been planted in good soil here. And I thank you, Lord, that those seeds are protected. Nothing steals them away. Nothing dries them out and burns them off. Nothing, they're not falling on rocks. Lord, I pray that that good soil just germinates that seed and it grows and grows and grows and that that in the days, weeks, and months, and years ahead, we'll, we'll look back at this time and say, that is when I grew deeper with God. I'm going on with discipleship following Him. Thank you for it, Father. Give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week.